Jeff Wenzel from the Woodshed Agency, and you are listening to my podcast called Successfully Funded. Here we go. Let's turn it up. Yeah! All right, crowdfunders, how's everybody doing out there in crowdfunding land? You guys doing all right? It's Monday. We got a new week going on. So it's pretty early for me here. Um, just got the kids off to school. Uh, I got my Bikram yoga starting at about 9.30 this morning, so I got to get out the door, but I wanted to sit down and, and get this intro recorded so I can get uh, my episode up. So so today, uh, I had a really good conversation with uh, uh, um, an, an Indiegogo campaign called Stella Motion, and it's a pocket-sized security system. Um, that you put in like uh, a woman's purse or if you put on some luggage and if that product moves or that lot, you know, that your luggage moves or whatever happens, you get a notification to your phone that something might be wrong. So I had a chance to talk to Elin from that, from, uh, from the campaign and, uh, just a really, really good conversation about uh, about how she got her product, um, where the idea came from, how she got it to this point, and then also, you know, what it's like working from um, Sweden and San Francisco, uh, kind of uh, having um, uh, uh, two different companies um, in different countries and what that's like. But yeah, so that conversation's coming up great. Uh, com- coming up great. Ugh, see, it's too early. I got to get my orange juice in. Hold on, let me get my orange juice. Ah, mm, tasty orange juice. So, like I said, that conversation's coming up in a little bit here. But, um, so, I've been struggling with uh, uh, something. I, I am the tech guy amongst anybody close to me. And I really want to end that title. At first, I thought that title was kind of cool, I guess, for some unknown reason, that I could fix almost anything or, you know, anything tech-related, uh, you know, I can pretty much work my way through. But now, since everybody's got that technology around them, now I hate it. So this morning, you know, we're talking about 6.45 in the morning here. So only a couple hours ago. And, you know, the wife's laying into me that Netflix isn't working. Well, you know, let me, you know. And it's not that it's not working like we didn't pay an internet bill or something like that. It's just like there's some tech issue where, like, stuff scrambled. Like, clearly not something on my end. My wife doesn't see it that way. Fix it. You got to fix it. Fix it. You know, my my mom calls me all the time. My printer doesn't do this. My printer doesn't do this. The internet's not working. What? And I'm going to tell everybody out there, if you're that person who can't work your way through a tech issue, I'm going to tell you about 96% of my secrets. Turn it off. Turn it back on. So that was my solution this morning. Turn the Apple TV off. Turn it back on. See what happens. And guess what? That didn't fix it. Now at that moment, when, you're, when I'm looking at this issue where clearly, like, like literally, text is on top of each other, there's an issue going on with Netflix. And I think that, you know, I think my wife was looking at me like, you can fix that, right? It's like, I don't work at Netflix. I, I can't recode their, 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 you know, their software. I don't know what the issue is. Is there a way that we can work through it? Okay. What there is, you can go to the... Uh, uh, go to the search. Okay, great. It fixed. So ultimately, I want to let everybody know. My kids got to watch some Scooby-Doo this morning before school. They're happy. Uh, my wife's probably annoyed with me that I couldn't fix Netflix. But, you know, that's what it's like being the tech guy. And I tell you, I'm, I'm slowly but surely trying to lose that title. I don't want to be tech guy anymore. You know? Don't want to be it. So, so also, so my... my like I, you guys know, I've, I've said my, my son started a, uh, at a new kindergarten a few weeks ago. And, and I'll tell you, one of the things that's frustrating me about this school is that they have a absolute 100% no nuts on campus. Yes, that's right. No nuts on campus. So my son's a vegetarian. He doesn't eat meat. That means that every sandwich that he eats is peanut butter and jelly. So we had to find an alternative to peanut butter because... We can't have nuts on school. And that's frustrating because the, the, the replacement for peanut butter that I continue to be using for my son is some, one of the grossest things that I've ever put in my mouth. I attempted to taste it the other day. 
And now, now, granted, maybe that I'm a, I'm a, you know, a Peter Pan Jif guy, right? And I've been tasting crap peanut butter my whole life. But whatever this stuff is that we're using uh, for a replacement peanut butter substitution, there's, I, 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 none of you can eat it. I guarantee none of you can eat it. Now, my son's powering through it. The sandwiches are gone every day when he comes home with the lunches. But I really find that, you know, I don't, now granted, I don't want somebody dying because they have a peanut allergy, you know, at the school. And, and I don't want any bad things to happen. But how often does a scenario like that happen? Like, I, I mean, I bitch about this to my wife all the time, and I want to bring it up to the school. It's like, why can't I go to the school and bitch and be like, hey, hey, my son's a vegetarian. He has to eat this, right? He, it's his protein. It's blah, 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 whatever it is. Why don't I have the exact same stance that the person that, you know, the maybe the one kid that had the really extreme nut allergy that then, you know, put this entire, you know, uh, rule in order, you know, in order across the, the entire campus. It's a very frustrating thing. I mean, you know, peanuts are in a lot of stuff, right? And, and then I think about, you know, there can't be that many allergies at the school. Not to the point where it's in every classroom. So even if, let's just say there's three kids with a nut allergy in the school. What is there? I don't know. What is there? 500 students? I have 400 students? 300? A healthy amount of students. It's K through six, right? Why isn't there just a rule around, hey, guys, if you're eating next to Jimmy, don't give him your peanut butter sandwich, guys. Jimmy can't have the peanut butter, right? Jimmy can't have, can't have the nuts. Why isn't that the solution as opposed to nobody gets the nuts? I mean, really, that's like boggles my mind that every it's like everybody being punished in the room because you got one asshole right it's like i don't understand that so yeah so i gotta give it up to my son Addie, you're doing a great job powering through that weird peanut butter mixture crap thing that i'm putting on your sandwiches but you know like i said i use a lot of jelly right i, I put a lot of jelly so so it's not bad so yeah boy i'm you know here's the thing what happens to that kid? Yeah, I understand I'm ranting a little too far on this, but you know, I gotta I make five lunches, you know, basically about seven or eight lunches every day. So I, I deal with this, right? What's that kid gonna do who may be severely allergic in his entire life scenario, right? If he worked at an office building, would there would there be, you know, would he have to go around and be that new, you know, a little bit of a nuisance? Or would he deal with the situation? So don't we wanna teach the kids deal with the situation, right? Like don't, you know, Jimmy, don't. Go buy peanuts. You're going to get really sick. So, all right, that's enough. So, third rant. Third rant. There's three of them this day. It was obviously a crazy Thursday through Sunday, right? I got three rants going on. I understand it's a lot. I need more orange juice. I'm on a, I'm on a roll here. So, I, I, I have struggled with this other thing in my life where I let one random person say something to me and then derail an idea or a mindset. First example is back in the band days, right? This is probably around 2005-ish, 2006-ish or whatever. I decided that I wanted my band to play the tracks. Now, for you non-musicians out there, this might mean absolutely nothing to you. But what it meant was there was a laptop on stage, right? And we would go into these bars and I would literally hit the space bar and we would put on a show. Video, audio, dancing, you know, live of only a few live instruments now granted this is a while ago this is like 10 years ago when this was happening so not what you see every day in music so so i remember that there was this one guy at a, at a particular bar and just a, you know the dude was a waste of space flat out but for some reason that guy gave me and my band shit sorry for the cussing sorry i should have probably gave a warning kids out there you know but um so this guy gave us shit for using tracks and for some reason i took this guy's opinion so personally that we decided oh my god we're never going to use tracks again this guy's right we're totally faking it and uh we, we you know and so then to combat that i decided to put a whole string section and we were like a 12 piece band on a stage totally derailed my mindset my vision all based on one kind of a douchebag out there who had an opinion and decided that he had to stick it in my face. And for some reason, I listened to it. And that's, that's, that's the key, is learning that I don't know why I listened to it. So um, the reason I bring this up is that same thing just happened um, with, it, with an email strategy that I have. So I've been reaching out, cold emailing, 
some people from a Slack group, right? People that I know are into, are into digital marketing, and I've been asking them, hey, listen, I found you. I don't want to, I'm not being rude, but I really think you dig the podcast because we're talking about digital marketing and tools and all these, these things to, to get people funded. I think, I think you would dig this. So it's, it's a cold email, but it's not ice cold, right? It's a cold email in terms of you just don't know me, but it's an email of like, hey, I think you would dig this. And I even tell the people, you're not in a drip cycle. You're, you're just getting one email. If you dig it, awesome, right? I thought that was a pretty interesting strategy. So I sent out about 200 of these things um, on Thursday just to, just to see what people's vibe was. So of course, like the one of the first replies is a douchebag who goes on a rant of, I can't believe you're doing this. How dare you? Blah, 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 right? Totally throws me off my game. I start questioning everything. I remember sitting there uh, Saturday morning. I'm at the market and I'm reading this guy's thing, and I'm like, "Man, this guy is just tearing me up for some reason." So of course, I I, I go and I delete and I, I stop sending out the emails, and I'm like, "Oh my god, oh, I don't want to, you know, crap, you know, this guy, this guy's right." Lo and behold, in the next 24 hours, the replies to that email were through the roof. I got people saying. You know, thank you for reaching out to me. This is exactly what I'm looking for. This is awesome. I can't wait to share this with my friends. I got one guy who gave me leads of people to go talk to. He's like, you got to talk to this guy. Talk to this guy. Talk to this guy. So one DB throws this in the wrench. I get, I, I listen to this guy for some reason. And I don't know why, I, why. I don't know why I do it. You know, why I can't have thick skin around that scenario. Yet, you know, the five to six people that also responded out of this email with, gratefulness flat out like thank you for writing and you know and I made connections with these people I followed them like so I went back to that DB guy and I kind of tore him a new one of like you know what screw you man I'm out trying to have conversations I didn't I didn't send an email about Viagra or some shit I sent an email of like I think you dig this I think you would really be into this thing you know which is mind you how I get almost 50 60 percent of the tools that get sent to me I know I pop up in lists as an influencer to whatever that degree means, you know, in terms of I try out a ton of tools and I know my team members, Paul and Sean, would say the same thing. I'm trying out a bunch of tools because I'm constantly on this mission of being more productive and, you know, finding a quicker way to do X, Y, and Z so that I can pass that knowledge off to my clients so that we can get the results faster, right? That's what we're all after. So, so for, I guess this rant in my mind is for that DB who thinks that he's like the, you know, that he has to go out and, and tear somebody down. or I don't get that. You know, what is that mindset? Are you the email police? Are you the police of a group or whatever it is that you think you have to go and how dare you do something? You got an email from me. You hit delete and you move on with your day, right? Like, isn't it that simple, right? So, okay, it's just Monday morning. It's a new week. I got to calm down. Serenity now, serenity now, right? Three rants, I get it. If you get through this, awesome. Because now, I'm gonna kick it to my interview. And in this interview, a couple really, really cool things. Uh, number one, I, I didn't wanna get it too far into this, but I thought it was awesome to talk to a female entrepreneur. That doesn't happen very often. And we get into a, a little bit of this conversation um, from Elin, just you know how she's feeling and stuff like that. So. That was all. That was awesome too. The other thing that was important, what I thought was really, you know, kind of uh, touching for myself is, is you know, my wife, I think I've said this, suffers from some anxiety, right? Like I think like a lot of females, but she's got it. So, so she is the like the perfect customer for this, and we get into that a little bit too. Just like how much this item or this product um, could really help a person like my wife maybe enjoy moments more instead of worrying about little things. So. So I, I really dug this conversation. You know, they had a goal of twenty thousand. Um, they're at fifty-five thousand. They've crushed their goal with nine more days to go. Um, the story is awesome on how they got it from an idea in the middle of the night all the way to basically a production run is getting ready to go uh, sooner than later. So, so check this out. Also, the other cool thing too is this is my first deconstruction of an Indiegogo campaign, and I don't know why that is, but I just me personally, I don't come across that many Indiegogo campaigns that are as successful as I see in Kickstarter. Now, granted, I know they're out there, so I don't need anybody emailing me going, I had a, I had a successful one. I got, I got it. I know that they're out there. Um, 
but yeah, so, okay, that's enough of my voice. Let's kick it to the to the good rich stuff here with my conversation with Elin from Stilla Motion. Here we go. I'm good. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for taking some time to uh, join me in my podcast. You're welcome. Awesome. Awesome. So uh, I got to say, you've got a pretty unique product there that is doing quite well in Indiegogo. Thank you. How did you stumble upon that? I'm sure it was just one thing, right? You know? Uh, No, not really. (laughs) I'm sure there was some time spent on it, but um, yeah. Well, that's really cool. So why don't you tell me a little bit about the product for my listeners and, you know, what it does and uh, kind of the idea of where it came from. Well, Stella is a, a smart motion alarm. So it's a small little pebble that um, kind of like a silver dollar sized little uh, device uh, that you can put on anything that you want to keep still. So the word Stella actually means to be still or peace of mind in Swedish, where I'm from. Um, so you put it on something like a door or a purse or a stroller or something. And if anything moves that shouldn't, uh, you get an instant notification to your smartphone or to your smartwatch. If you have one of those. Wow. That's very, very intriguing. So where does this kind of idea start from in terms of, I guess, protecting sort of these, you know, your belongings for lack of a better term? Uh, well, I got the idea, uh, last year, in the beginning of last year, um, I was running an incubator here in San Francisco focused on Internet of Things and wearable technology. And I kind of wanted to learn how to be more into the technology and not only on the business and strategy side where my background is. So I wanted to learn how to code Arduino boards, um, which is small little computers or hardware. Right. Um, so when I was learning to do that I was sitting in a busy cafe and the basic thing that I learned was to make the LED light blink blue okay (laughs) when it moved that was like very high tech but that was what I just super basic to kind of get the grips of the program and everything um and when we were sitting there I literally dropped my board on my purse or my bag that I had on the floor and as a woman you have been in a lot of restaurants and you always have a big bag with you usually with computers and whatever. And, and I started like looking over my shoulder and like, is somebody touching my stuff? I know a lot of women can relate to that. Um, and, or guys as well, if you have your computer bag with you and you're kind of worried about it. Um, and then when I picked it up, uh, or my bag or the Arduino board that had fallen on my bag, it started blinking. And, and that's kind of where the embryo to still I came where I was like, okay, that would be awesome if it did something else than just blink. Right. Right. Yeah. So that's how it started. And then I literally woke up a couple of weeks later and dreamt about it <laughs> in the middle of the night. And I found a piece of paper scribbled down some like notes. So I'm like, okay, I want it to be for theft protection and for bags and for strollers and for, right elderly people that kind of walk so wander off if they have Alzheimer's you can put on the door and get a notification it's like a million ideas right, and that's right. how, that's how it still started I, I'll tell you you know after I started this podcast that's probably the best thing that's come out of all my conversations is that almost <laughs> every idea is some like I wasn't planning on it it just like this weird thing happened and all of a sudden I was like that makes total sense it's, it's yeah it's the best thing that comes out of these conversations everyone is so unique and just you know, happen chance, you know, to some degree. Yes. Yeah. That, that's where good ideas come from. You know, it's funny when you were mentioning that. Uh, so I showed my wife this, uh, and I, I won't throw her under the bus here, but my wife, my, she has anxiety, right? So yeah. she struggled with that. This thing would put her at ease in every situation. So the bad conversation you just had, I've got a five and a three year old. I see exactly. her, I literally see her looking at our stuff, you know, 
all the time. And I'm like, maybe you could enjoy the moment too. Cause I don't have it. I'm just like, listen, if somebody wants my stuff, whatever, you know, but it's, man, I, I saw her wheels turning on this instantly. So I'm assuming that that's what you're getting a lot of, uh, you know, as a, as a customer or a client pro persona, it's people who are just kind of that in that worried state, maybe a little bit. I, I can see yeah. them being at, at, so at ease with this. Yes. I mean, that's the whole idea. I, I, I sell peace of mind, but it comes in the shape of a little button. Mm-hmm. So that's the whole point is to, yeah, give people ease so they can be in the moment so they can focus on, um, like their date, if they're having a conversation instead of looking on their bag, or if they're in the uh, park playing with their kids, uh, that they don't have to worry about their stroller or stuff. They can be playing a horsing right. around with kids and stuff like that. So yeah, that's the whole idea. Yeah. It's like the, the stroller one is the one that is like the best representation of like my life. Right. Cause again, small kids and I'm literally carrying around hundreds of things to go two miles away, but all that stuff, you know, it's just like, uh, yeah, you know, it, it's, it's, yeah, that's, that's me in a nutshell. So, so tell me a little bit about, so this works with an app. Um, is, yeah. you know, what does the app then do? I mean, does it just send you a signal? Uh, what, what kind of motion could happen? Does it happen if I just accidentally kick the bag? You know, you know, how, how does it really tell that motion? Well, there's a, you can set the sensitivity. Oh, okay. uh, all of, yeah. So you can choose how sensitive you want it to be. Uh, so this is what we're doing right now. We're testing the app design with, with our, we have like an ambassador program uh, with early backers um, to see exactly how do you want to uh, make this work. Uh, right now we have like a sliding scale, like depending on how sensitive you want it to be. Uh, but then we're also going to test it um, because we have a separate app where, where we train like a smart algorithm so that you can kind of be on a train and then you can kind of measure uh, the X, Y, and Z axis and say like, okay, if it bumps like this, it's probably on a train. And then, um, we don't want it to kind of, um, set the alarm to go off all the time. So then it will be a bit more, uh, unsensitive so that it's more like when somebody grabs your bag and lifts it off the ground or something like that, then you will get an alarm. Um, so we're, that's exactly what we're doing right now is to, um, adjust algorithms and also to see, um, adjust the app so it's user-friendly because we want it to be simple. That's sure. the whole idea. We want it to be like if your wife is not into technology, that she can use it anyway. It's right. like one button and it works. You know, it's as simple as possible. So there you have to kind of, um, you have the tech-savvy people. They're like, oh, I want to have all the wells and bells and whistles. And then you have the people who are like, can I just get it to make an alarm when my kids move? It's <laughs> right, like, right. so so it's in, in it's kind of in where, in between where, um, where, where you kind of have to find the balance sure. for, for the target audience. And that's in the process where we are right now well, in that you, design. I'll tell you, you know, this will be a, a, a shout out to my wife again. She wants to push a button and that's it. Because uh, anything more yeah. than that, that means I'm on tech support 24-7. So, what exactly. Doing this? I don't know, babe. I don't know. Um, yeah. So, so that's we're designing it for her. But right. we're also uh, having like, you know, you can have open the settings yep. bar. There you can have all the, <laughs> right. you can have it to vibrate. You can, it's actually a built-in speaker in the actual device as well. So it's like a tiny car alarm, you could say. So if you're, if you're on the beach and you kind of, if you aren't in like uh, uh, BLE coverage, which is kind of the connection it's uh, the portable version is using right now, mm-hmm. uh, it, it's still triggered. So if somebody comes and messes with your beach stuff, you will like, wait, 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 wait. So the people around you will kind of like, okay, hey, guy, that's not that's not cool, whatever you're up to. So, so yeah, so we, we try to make it super, super simple, but it can also be um, a vibration too. I, I use it personally. I have like a working prototype myself mm-hmm. and I use it. I love it to get a vibration to my smartwatch because as a woman, you don't always have your uh, phone with you. So I have my, my phone in my purse and I put that somewhere. And then I, if I go to an event, I might mingle. And then if somebody touches my computer bag or so, I get an alarm to my Apple watch That's awesome. and that, yeah, so that there's different settings that you can have depending on the use case. That's cool. So, so you get up, you sketch this out on a piece of paper. What's yeah. the next um, you know, a couple days look like, or I'm assuming this is years. Is it just took some time to, to start to develop. What, what does that look like? 
Uh, well, in a nutshell, actually, you know. Yeah, in a nutshell, <laughs> I actually went from an idea to the first working prototypes in a hundred days. Okay, wow. Um, because I I made a challenge for myself to see if it was possible, mm-hmm. uh, and it's really hard, so I don't recommend it. <laughs> but it's uh, it does work. So I I did I I guess you are aware about the lean startup. Yep. And uh, yeah. So I used that methodology quite a lot. So I did my first MVP or my minimal viable product in like PowerPoint. Um, so I'm not a designer. I'm an inventor. And I, I had my little Arduino board in one hand that was blinking. And then I printed out a little like PowerPoint button and taped it on another gadget that I found <laughs> at home. And like, okay, I kind of wanted to work like this and kind of look kind of like this and worked my watch. Is that a good idea? And then I went around like everywhere and ask people like okay where do you buy like BLE stuff I didn't even know what it was called all the sensors and everything I've learned a lot the last year but (laughs) uh, but so I asked a trillion questions like did people like it is it a good product Uh, how would they like to use it and and then uh, I I like found uh, like technicians and people that can help me out to actually build it and and then I did um, I did prototypes in clay actually oh Um, really that's interesting. Yeah. So, yeah. So, if you go to our Indiegogo page, there's a little uh, further down. There's like a little bit about the story, and and there are like my clay prototypes. So, um, yeah. So, I made 27 prototypes in in uh, yeah, 47 dollars worth of painted clay. And then, should they be round? Should they be squared? Should they look like a button? Should they? What kind of yeah design should they have? And then, uh, I tested that with. Uh, tons of like future customers like which one do they like which logo do they like what kind of shape do they like and stuff like that and um, we did a lot of uh, research just based on the clay before we went into production Mm. Um, so that that was that was a big part of the journey and more user cases I mean my first initial user case was to have it for for my purse because that was my personal use case but then uh, another friend like I have my my um grandpa was deaf and when we went to his house and rang the doorbell he never heard that we were there um so they had like a lamp that blinked in the living room and when we didn't happen to be there (laughs) they uh, um they missed it but uh, if you had it still on the door and just knocked he could get a notification to his phone right uh, or a smartwatch like oh a door you have to go and open the door and i mean you have the whole hearing disabled community and then um, I had a big hospital group uh, reaching out to me in, in Sweden that wanted to have it on the door for Alzheimer's patients. And then there was this other guy who who um, were doing like um, model airplanes. And he was like, this is perfect for my planes because they I'm afraid they're taken when before I take off or whatever. I mean, right. it's like all kinds of random stuff that people come up with what they're going to use it for. So it's really, really interesting um, to learn from the customers. So that's yeah, that was part of the process to learn what people would use it, how they would use it, how they want it, and and keep that simplicity in mind all the time. Sure. How much did your location, because uh, correct me if I'm wrong, are you in San Francisco right now or are you in Sweden? No, I'm I, half of the team is in Sweden and half is in San Francisco, but I'm personally currently in San Francisco. So, I, live, I, I live here. Cool. So how much did that region help, you know, speed up these processes? Did you have access to a ton of resources? Uh, I'm assuming yes to some of that. Uh, <laughs> Well, yeah, to give you an example, like one of the guys that, well, during the first hundred days when I was still carrying around my little Arduino board and my PowerPoint prototype, (laughs) I went to a cocktail party here in San Francisco or in Silicon Valley, south of San Francisco. And, and uh, during that early, uh, earlier that morning, I had a, had a call with, with my, my technology team and we tried to figure out how to connect the Stella to an Apple Watch in the first in the in the best way because they had just Apple had just released Apple Watch and we kind of knew that this is going to be a cool thing. And so we that was one of the questions. We didn't really know how, right. how their APIs works and stuff like that. So that was the to do on the day it was like, okay, let's try to figure that out. And later that night I went to this cocktail party and this lady that I know chit-chatted with a gentleman that I've never seen before and I went up to to my friend and say, Hey, and we started talking and this guy who I did, or this man who I didn't know, um, we started talking as well. And, um, and then I was like, yeah, so what do you do? Well, 
I'm kind of like the CTO of Apple. Oh, <laughs> I was like, oh. oops. Okay, oh. so those kind of things doesn't you don't run randomly run into the CTO of Apple at, in Sweden. So that's right. those sort of things. And he thought it was a good idea. So um, that that kind of gave me confidence to con- continue the development. Um, so yes, things like that and resources. Uh, very very smart people. A lot of high tech and. Um, uh, artificial intelligence uh, experts that have helped me with algorithms and stuff are here. Mm-hmm. Um, but then what I take from Sweden a lot is um, usability. Um, Scandinavian design, very very simple, clean, easy to understand things. Right. Um, right. But also a lot of good uh, technicians like our software developers and so are there. And I mean, we have Spotify and, and Skype and, and other like big companies coming from Sweden. So um, we're combining the best of Silicon Valley and the best of Scandinavia, I would say. What's the biggest difference, you think, just, you know, tech and culture between the two areas? Uh, <laughs> wow, it's a big difference um, in a lot of ways. Um, Tech-wise, I don't think, it's not that big of a difference. The, the biggest difference i would say is uh, risk taking hmm. uh, that um, americans are more or less risk averse where swedes are or scandinavians are probably a bit more uh comfort seeking interesting yeah but they're also less uh i would say they're probably more humble <laughs> it's uh, like i prefer to under promise and over deliver. So sure. that's what we're like, okay, yeah, this is a motion alarm. It doesn't track everything. It doesn't do this. It does this. And it, we're trying to do one thing and do that really, really well. And, and we, we try to be as like humble and honest as we can and what we do and our limitations, but like that we really, really want to do this really well versus I've, uh, unfortunately, um, come across some uh, people here that are more like, oh, yeah, I can do everything, and this is going to be <laughs> awesome, and I, I know everything. And whereas I'm like, okay, I actually don't know this and this and this and this and this, but I know these two things pretty well. you know. So that's probably a cultural difference, I would say. Wow. So in this whole process of like getting this, you know, this you know, idea mm-hmm. to prototype and to in, even into production a little bit, what, what do you think has been the biggest thing – pushing this through, um, you know, is it just drive your spirit, your team, you know, what's the biggest factor behind the scenes? Definitely the team. Yeah. I mean, um, we're all like 14 people, uh, working on Stella right now, uh, in different capacities. People are doing it on the side of their day jobs or we're like three people full time, but there's a lot of people besides me. This is not a one, one woman show. Um, sure. I came up with the idea, I did the first hundred days and kind of, okay, yeah, this is actually something people want. But since then, there's like so many amazing people trying to get this out to the market right now. It's like people doing design, social media, communication, um, software design, hardware design, uh, engineering, logistics, production. It's just like a million things that you, it looks so simple. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, a little button. How hard can it be? And it can be really, really, really hard. <laughs> right. So, yeah, so it's definitely having a great team uh, with a great spirit um, that really believes in, we're not solving life's big problems. We're solving the small problems. Like we're not going to do hyperloops or marsh explorations or whatever but we're going to make sure that your wife can actually stop fussing and being less right. worried and like focus on the kids and have a great date with you and focus on you and not her purse uh, and i'm going to quote that one i'm going to send that to her right now as she's putting the kids to bed here uh, yeah. yeah go on a date with me and relax <laughs> exactly that's that's what i want to do <laughs> that's funny so when you're kind of designing I, I always love these conversations that are tied into um a little bit of tech and a little bit of hardware how do mm-hmm. you prepare you know, for all the Apple changes, you know, the watch updates and the, you know, Android device, you know, I mean, I build some websites for people on the sides and the fact that I have to test it out on 400 different devices, it feels like for just me alone, it gets stressful. How do you guys handle uncertainty of tomorrow and devices? Well, that's why my first employee was a software and full stack engineer. (laughs) Probably a good idea. 
Yes. Um, so, no, but I mean, I have a really good tech team uh, and we're testing and we're doing the best we can. Uh, but also to keep it as simple as possible, both when it comes to uh, the use case and and um, uh, the functionality. So we'll make it work and it continue to work um, as good as possible. But I mean, this is something that we, we need to uh, continue to develop uh, over time. Um, so we are up to date with firmware. We're doing it. I mean, we have built-in memory and stuff, so we can do, and it's prepared for over-the-air updates of firmware mm-hmm. and software. So uh, we're preparing uh, the hardware as much as we can for the software upgrades that's definitely going to be needed because of the development. So, but I mean, that's that's the hard thing with hardware is if you decide something now, it takes you like 18 months to kind of change it. <laughs> so, right, right. Yeah, it's not uh, as easy. It's it's a big difference doing hardware and software. Yeah. So let's flip gears a little bit and actually kind of talk a little bit about the actual campaign. So here's another little first for me on our podcast. You're the first one that I've seen with a successful Indiegogo campaign. So congrats on that. I don't see oh. it very often. So huh. what made you decide Indiegogo over Kickstarter or any other platform, I guess, for that matter? Well... They found me actually. Oh really? Um, yeah. So I um, no, I got an email from them on LinkedIn last year, and like last around Christmas last year. Um, and I was still in stealth mode. I hadn't said like hardly anything, um, but I somehow word gets around that I was doing something, and and it's not we're not that many women in tech or like women in hardware or sure, IoT sure. for that. So. Someone knew something and tipped them off. And like, so I got an email like, hey, I heard you're up to something interesting, kind of. Uh, if you're interested in crowdfunding, maybe we should have a talk. And then I uh, talked to them and they were really, really nice people. So, um, and I also have friends that have had successful um, Indigo campaigns. Like uh, Flick is another company that I've been mentoring and they, they raised almost a million dollars of Kickstarter wow. or Indiegogo. So, um, yeah, I mean, there are campaigns out there that are successful uh, on Indiegogo as well. So nice people, I would say. So it's not so much on the platform, more about the people. Yeah, yeah. Like, I obviously, there's obviously successful. I just haven't interviewed anybody who's had one. So this is my first time to actually kind of dive in and, and kind of look a little bit at, like, what you did strategy-wise. You know, what did you do leading up to the campaign before you launched? Um, well, first we... Uh, we uh, did a lot of preparations. Well, we, we did an, um, a video first, like an uh, introduction video mm-hmm. um, that, we launched, that we did earlier this spring um, to kind of lead up and start building an email list. Mm-hmm. Um, because as everybody says, I guess, uh, building a community and building an email list is, is pretty important uh, to convert. Um, so that was, that was the first thing we did, um, was to launch the video. Uh, almost a half a year before we launched the campaign or at least four or five months before we launched the campaign. Hmm. Uh, just to kind of have something out there, have like a basic web page up and running to kind of, okay, this is what we're doing. This is the team. This is what, what we're about. But um, we were still kind of in semi-stealth, uh, but it was up there. If somebody saw it, then we could talk about it. So primarily um, talk to people. I did a few um, uh, events, a few um interviews um before leading up to the campaign um but um yeah building a community and just starting telling people that like hey this is what's coming we're going to do this on indiegogo and and we also did um one thing that worked really well for us was um, a tool called thunderclap mm-hmm. yep. um if you know what that is so yeah, it's, a great, it's, yeah, like, it's a great tool that, yeah. uh, that we've used on a few campaigns yeah so uh, we use thunderclap pretty successfully. So we had a reach of like 1.3 million people or something um, uh, on the day that we launched. Um, so and we actually did, we did actually two thunderclaps because of the time difference. We did one in Sweden and then we did a second one in the US. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, one in Europe and one in the US later, the day after. Um, I'm sorry, so, you just, just kind of blew my mind there because uh, I currently have a client in the Philippines and they have a base there and, you know, we're, we have a base here in New York and mm-hmm. we were just going to run one, but I'm going to have to look at something tomorrow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, but I mean, it doesn't make sense to get a thunderclap in the middle of the night for people. No, it so, doesn't. 
<laughs> it certainly doesn't. And they're almost like 13 hours different. So it would be, you know. Yeah, wow. it's worthless. So that's why uh, we did two. Uh, because we are nine hours difference. And that's like 12. Then it's then it's so wrong that it's almost right again. Right, right. Uh, but nine is like useless. Yeah. So, um, so we did one in, in Europe and one in the U.S. Because half our backers are probably... And Swedish based because that's where we have our strongest community, and then half is from all over the world. Right. It's like literally, literally from all over the world. So, which is really cool. That's cool. How did you come up to your goal? What, do you have any strategy on how you came up with twenty thousand? Um, well, we the plan was permanent because we have raised some angel money before, mm-hmm. uh, so that we could secure production. Um, but we for for us it was primarily to validate the market. That okay, this is not just me who has this problem, um, and for that, and also PR and marketing for for additional investors, and also for like business to business customers, because we're going to sell Stella through um, retailers, both retailers, but uh, like telecom operators see this as a perfect like uh, first product in Internet of Things or or smart home gadgets and stuff like that. Sure. So. So we're going to show the results from the campaign and say, hey, this is, there's a lot of traction here. There's a lot of people that want this. And we've had like hundreds and thousands of views. What people are a little bit wary about that they aren't, well, they aren't converting as good because people aren't really aware. They don't know what Indiegogo is. So mm-hmm. it's not, it's not the nor ordinary store. So, sure. but there is, there is clearly a de- demand for the product. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, People are a bit standoffish that it takes a couple of months before it uh, arrives, and they haven't used the uh, the platform and things like that. Sure. So, well, I so gotta imagine you you got to be sitting feeling very good with what eight hundred some odd backers. You know, at this point, yeah. with two more weeks to go, I, I would look at it as the you know if I was standing in your position that the the amount of backers is the exciting thing. You know, like you know that's eight hundred people who can go tell their friends and they can they're out using it, and you know that's going to be your core supporters for version 2.0 whatever's next what you know whatever comes Definitely. down the pipeline that that's got to yeah. be an exciting thing yeah no we are we are super super happy about it i mean that it's it's a lot of people and and uh from a lot of countries that's what i think is pretty cool too um that's that's really really um fascinating all the all the different um uh yeah countries that people are uh, coming from um, I, I had no idea. It's, it's literally, I think it's like 50, 50 people or 50 countries around the world or something like that. That's awesome. Um, yeah. So yeah, everything from Burma to Brazil to Australia to like all over Europe, all over, uh, the U S and yeah, it, it's, uh, it's pretty, it's pretty cool actually. So, so yeah. Um, how did you balance? I mean, so running a campaign, an Indiegogo campaign or a crowdfunding campaign, that's a full time workload how did you manage that with also developing this putting your team probably traveling i'm assuming back and forth did you have a marketing <sighs> firm that helped you a little bit or, or would you guys do this mostly internally uh well uh we have mostly done it internally mm-hmm. um we've had some help with uh some guys uh, or trevin nate who from 500 danish that uh, have been helping us out a bit and, and we had some support in the beginning as well um, setting up the initial uh, structure uh, but the primarily um, we have been working uh, with our internal team we have a great great internal team but marketing and communications and planning and stuff like that is is um, super important so it's not easy for sure. And I've never worked so hard and been so poor in my life, (laughs) (laughs) but but I'm really passionate about what I do. So hopefully it will turn around soon. (laughs) I think it will because you've got a solid, solid idea here. So over the, you know, let's see, you got 13 days to go. How Mm -hmm. do you, like, what's the overall vibe and feel knowing that it's successful, right? You know, you've, you squashed your goal. Um, yeah. you've got two weeks to go. What is the climate like for your, you and your team? Well, I mean, it's great. People, I mean, we're really happy. Um, but, um, so now it's more like, Oh, 
we probably need to extend the campaign a bit because we've got the more requests that okay we we yeah we want to do it longer and we we just saw it we want to run this article we want to do this special special thing so um we probably will extend the campaign hmm. um for a bit so that the like other marketeers have uh, a chance to do it and also um co-promotions and things like that so of course we reached a goal but like why not crush it you know <laughs> exactly <laughs> like sure we're like at 227 percent now like i want to have a thousand percent like why why not right uh so at least um that would be cool um yeah. and it's a good product and it's more like we're learning so much about the product and the customer's needs and things like that so it's a very it's a very useful community mm-hmm. um that we will benefit from um, uh, caring about and fostering uh, during the campaign, but also after, because they they become ambassadors for the brand and for the product, and and we learn about their needs, and we just send a thank you note to all of our backers and ask them like, hey, thank you so much, but what's your use case? What are you going to use sure. it for? Because there's like 800 people that are like, we don't know. It's not. I was terrified a couple of weeks ago when I. Like I went up on a big stage with like 3000 people and like, Hey, I just launched this company that I've been building. And, and I didn't know if it was going to be my mom and three of my friends that were going to buy it. Uh, I literally didn't know. Um, so it feels really good to, yeah, have a bit more customers than that from like a lot of more countries. So, yeah. so you, that's pretty Are good, you guys actually. thinking about, uh, and you know, launching some stretch goals or anything along those lines as a strategy in the next couple of weeks? Um, yeah, I mean, we're going to do um, accessories, like an accessories line hmm. and things like that. And um, so that you can attach it depending on if you want to have it on your door or your stroller or on your stuff. So we're going to have different clips and different bags and stuff like that. So that's what we're designing right now. Um, so we, we, uh, we're still talking about it. Um, we, we we weren't 100% prepared for everything uh, <laughs> of the campaign, to be honest. It's like we, we've been focusing on, it was someone said, like we've been focusing on building a great product and a great technology. We Marketing and PR, we have kind of figured out like, oh, oh crap, we have to do that, that as well. Okay, um, yeah, let's do a campaign and let's do a video and let's do this, you know? Right, right. <laughs> Well, so, well, I gotta say, with, with that strategy you have, you've landed some impressive uh, press. You know, TechCrunch and uh, you know CNET. So, did those? Um, that that's got to scream to the how cool the product is and the idea is worthy. If you're just not really that, tr- you know, if just if press is just coming to you, you know. Yeah, we haven't actually reached out. Like, I talked to I talked to some people at TechCrunch and I talked to some people like, hey, this is what I'm doing, but. But like I didn't have a PR agency or anything. Right. I mean, this is the, this is the inbound press. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, and we're like up to like we have a list now, a Google Doc, and we're like a hundred articles from That's all great. over the world. Um, yeah, it's like Russia, uh, Denmark, China, uh, Spain, USA, Taiwan, Mexico, Netherlands, China, USA. It's like literally all over That's Brazil. Awesome. Yeah, so it's 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 uh, Nigeria I see here. Um, yeah, so it's it's uh, literally from all over Thailand. Yeah, so That's cool. it's pretty cool. Can you tell me a little bit about what what's the Innovator Pack rewards? What are those? Um, that is for companies. Okay. So um, the idea is that we we get a lot of inbound requests right now because the whole idea is that for still as a company, still emo, uh, still emotion is just our first product. Uh, we're we're doing like we're building not only a product we're building a company. Sure. So um, there has been a lot of corporations that are interested in what we're doing. Uh, like I, I mentioned earlier, there was this uh, hospital that wants to um, monitor their like Alzheimer's patients mm-hmm. or or people falling out of bed. You can just put a still on the do- on the on the floor or like on a carpet, and if it moves, if you know care. Uh, care needing person falls out of bed or something you can you can get an alarm that you have to check it or without having like a lot of wires or like really expensive systems um, you can kind of do that um, but in order to um, make sure that the coverage is stable we have developed or we're developing a, the next product is going to be called still emotion or still a connect which is like a BLE to wi-fi hub so that you can have 
uh, a connection if you have Stella on the door uh, and you have roommates, you will know if they're in, in your home, for example, because right. it will talk to the hub that will talk to your Wi-Fi, so you can get a notification even if you're at the office, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are also other uh, companies that are coming up with different use cases. Like you could put a still on a piece of machinery and it vibrates in a weird way, and then your uh, shift worker will know that you need to go and um, uh, check the the machine number two. Sure, or right. some- Get the maintenance so, guy going. Get get it exactly. started early, right? Exactly. But the thing is, we are we're a small team. Like we're three people full time, and the rest are passionate workers. And right. and to have like really really big companies with like thousands and ten thousands of people uh, reaching out to us, and like, oh hey, we should. Uh, what about this thing for the, this operator X, or what about this for like hospital group Y? Mm-hmm. And we can get stuck in meetings, and we can drown in things. So. <laughs> We literally have to prioritize. So now we have actually one company that's already signed up uh, for the ten thousand dollar perk. Yeah, I saw um, that. That's great. So, so we're going to co-innovate together. Um, so we put some of our technical resources together with their technical resources and see how we can kind of uh, encompass and and well care about their needs in the in the. In, in the development that we're doing now before we finalize the product. Um, so so that's what we're doing with them. But also... It's a very I've intriguing work- filtering process. Just, you know, I, I've actually never heard anybody filter, a pro- you know, filter the meetings by, if you're real, go here, and then we'll work together, you know. Put your money where your mouth is, and then we'll start talking about working together. It's an interesting filtering process. Yeah. I think, I think we need to do that. Um, so... Oh crap! I'm sorry. Oh, that's all right. Put him on. Put him on the podcast. Put him on. Who's who's calling? <laughs> <laughs> it was my uh, uh, one of my my head of communications actually. Oh, nice. Yeah. So he's he's nice. That's cool. Uh, yeah. So you know, a couple more questions here I got, and then I and then I'll let you go. So where do you see uh, first? What do you think has been outside of maybe Thunderclap? Because you mentioned that the biggest and most important thing that you've done for this campaign, or what you would recommend for, for somebody else to do um, to be successful. Build an, yeah, build an email list beforehand, um, so people are aware uh, that you are launching. Like, and show people the importance of the the crushing it the first day. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we reached our goal within 10 hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we were a success. Right. Like, you know, you need, you need that first kind of momentum in order to trend, in order to come up on like, sure. uh, in the, in the go-go's or Kickstarter's email lists and yep. stuff like that, or get media to write about you. Like, Oh, that's cool. Like they crushed it. People don't really care. That's why we also took a, a, a slightly lower uh, goal because people don't care about, the amount they care about, oh, they crushed it. They yeah. reached their goal. They reached this 100% or 150% or whatever. Um, so to build a list uh, and kick ass the first day, did, did <laughs> be you, really, really good. Did you have any strategies, though, to build the list? Was there anything you were doing to help drive traffic or Facebook ads or anything like that? Yeah, yeah, we did Facebook ads and we did like um, some outreach and, and, and things like that to different communities and and. Mm-hmm. and things like that did you have any press that launched prior or did you wait for the press to kind of launch in the middle of the campaign or at the beginning of the campaign um no that press was something that we kind of came up with afterwards okay all right <laughs> that's uh, that was like oh crap we forgot about press <laughs> uh so uh, we yeah i i had to kind of google like how to write the uh, press release kind of the week beforehand and <laughs> and um yeah so i mean luckily it turned out pretty good we caught up pretty well but um yeah do your homework maybe talk to someone but we thought it was too expensive to work with pr agencies and we did as good as we could with what we had so yeah that's awesome do some do some reading beforehand and, <laughs> and kind of be more proactive we we next time uh, i'm going to be more proactive on the press side so so let, let's let's wrap it up in a bow here of what does the next 13 days look like for you, and then the next six months? Well, the next 13 days, we're going to do a lot more uh, act because now we've been reactive. It's been like drinking water of a fire hose <laughs> uh, because we weren't expecting this 
big traction. Um, so we have been more like, oh my God, we have to replace all these emails and we have to talk to people. And like, we haven't proactively started talking to people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's more, it's more about, um, getting that done. Um, before we, yeah, to actually go out and like, uh, we, we have gotten a lot of, uh, inbound requests on like co-marketing, like there are great bags, for example, at doing Indigo campaigns right now that are doing really well that would benefit from having a stool in it. So sure. it protects it. And so do, do things like that, like do partnerships with companies or, or products that make sense, uh, and reach out to more press and, and, and do things like that. So that's why, um, so those are, we're going to do more proactive things. And then the next six months we're going to produce and, and go to market. So we're, I'm flagged down to my uh, production team on, on next week and we're finalizing, we're doing the uh, specification for the app. To, uh, we had a big long workshop today and then we're going to finalize that and then we're doing production and then I have to go to Ascension and, and then uh, we're doing packaging and then we're doing all the production lines and all the, logistics and I, there's like a million things that we're going to do the next six months to make sure that we can deliver a really really great product on time to customers that are excited for the product or equally excited about the product as we are that's so awesome that's, that's my plan yeah that that's not going to be a lot of work at all i, I think that'll be easy there you know uh yeah <laughs> Smooth sailing all the way. A <laughs> couple things on a to-do list. That's all. A little bit. A little bit. But well, it's fun. Well, yeah. I, I thank you so much for taking time out of here. I think my, uh, I think I know my crowd is going to be so into this. And um, I just thank you so much for taking the time out and telling me about your product and your campaign. I appreciate it so much. Sure. Thank you so much. Thanks. Nice talking to you. Nice Take talking care. to you, too. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Bye. You, too. Bye-bye. Bye. Corner first.
Stay here while you figure us out.